taking off in five, four, three, two. Yo, 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 it's your boy, T.O., as you know. Oh, Rain, real name, no games, no gimmicks. Yo, it's the motherfucking Fade Podcast. You wouldn't stop shop for everything TV, media, and film related, along with any of the goddamn thing we want to talk about coming to you live and direct, different parts of the universe currently, but uh, still in this thing. Still in it. Uh, it took us about like two and a half hours <laughs> to get holy shit audio shit figured out, but yeah. uh, thank you, Tune Day, for your tireless no. Work. No, don't thank me because a smarter, <laughs> better man would have figured it out uh, a thousand times sooner than I did. Uh, yeah, but we're here now. Uh, it's good to be back on uh, after taking some time off. Um, but uh, yeah, the world's in a bit of a clusterfuck right now. Uh, so, yeah. You know what? I, I'm good. Now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, this is like, you know, not including anyone who has been directly impacted by the coronavirus, right? But like for everybody who is at home, who is healthy, you know, who doesn't have like an immediate family member that has been impacted by this, you know, chill the fuck out. <laughs> We're good. We're fine. Um, did you see the thing on the news recently in Michigan? where people are like protesting in like the yeah. fucking at the state's building in Michigan and shit about like wanting to go back to work. Like why? <laughs> well, because they're not getting paid money. That's why. <laughs> so bro, I'd rather not be getting paid than be, uh, infected with a fucking virus mm-hmm. and on a respirator with a high chance of dying. Uh, it depends. It depends on who Do- you are. Keep the money. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like, if you if you got a family that de- that's depending on you, you know, you got your kids there, you got your wife or your husband or whoever, uh, you know, you've got people who are depending on you. That's like that is life or death for you and them, right? Like, it's not, it's not like I personally wouldn't necessarily want to go out, but it's like when rents due, you need food, you need to keep the electricity on. And then nobody's giving you any assistance. You're getting one $1,200 check from the government that may or may not be delayed for you. I don't know. Yeah, no, you know? And, and that I get, right? Like you have, we all have responsibilities and bills to pay still. Um, if you're really concerned about your family, you would understand the seriousness of this thing, right? And how easily you can be infected by this thing more importantly than that how easily you can infect those those same loved ones that you have right so it's like you know we might have four eight twelve more weeks of this thing i would rather find a way to make it work than like rush to get back to work come into contact with people and potentially infect your family right so it's like i think we all just need to need to chill you know four to eight more weeks of this is not that bad if we can come out of this thing with like a solution yeah yeah uh either way let's let smarter people than us figure that out or maybe not so much smarter because yeah, yeah. Uh, no <laughs> we gotta watch those motherfuckers <laughs> all right let's just uh let's just jump into our shit so you can get the uh, the show going here 
Uh, first thing first, of course, let's talk about <laughs> what's coming out uh, this week. And let's just skip theaters altogether. I thought, you know, I, I, I might mention, oh, you know, there's stuff coming out in theaters. No, no, let's just... <laughs> Yeah, let's just, the, the theaters are, we're literally going to get into this a, a little later, kind of dive into the, the, the complete ins and outs of what's going on um, with theaters in general and give you a really sort of like in-depth look uh, as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the trouble that the theaters are in. But uh, for now, let's just talk about what's coming out on streaming. Uh, so let's uh, start off with HBO. We've got uh, Entre Hombre. Which is a, I believe, is a series on uh, on HBO. We have Shadows season three. Um, then we have uh, uh, We Are Here, uh, which is a, a series that's premiering. And then we have Bad Education, which we actually talked about a while back. Um, it's about uh, it's it's about what happens. I think when like the principal of a school becomes like corrupted or something like that and does some like crazy shit or something like that. I think this is the story about the um, the. Uh the education scandal, right? Yeah. With like Felicity Huffman and, uh, Oh no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think it's about that. I think it's, a, isn't it Hugh Jackman in, in it? Yeah. This has got Hugh Jackman, but it's about like a different scandal. I don't think it's about that specific one, but something maybe like related to that world of, you know, just don't fucked up shit in the education. Gotcha. See, I was thinking this one with Hugh Jackman and it focused on not necessarily the celebrity aspect of it, but the guy who was actually doing the, the scamming and the falsifying of test results. And it's like, it, it, it's like his story, how he started doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, could be wrong. No, no. So the, the dude who directed it, I believe it was about his high school. Um, who like they, uh, they had some sort of testing scandal or some, some bullshit. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then he grew up and was able to direct some films and directed a film about exactly that, you know, so, smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we said this at the time, but like, it's like a come up on all the people who like slid you in the past. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, I want to make you guys look dumb as shit. Yeah. You can portray them however you want in the movie. As long as you like, just stay above the, the, the line of being sued. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you can't say, oh, this person was stupid, but you can portray them as kind of dumb. Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. In fact, what, what fun <laughs> is it if you don't get to do that? <laughs> Why do it at all? Girl, uh, let you hit. You just don't include her in the film at all. <laughs> <laughs> like she never existed. But you include her entire family, but everybody but her. though. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to. Uh, there's literally nothing coming out on Hulu except for like old shit, uh, like old movies and stuff like that. That's uh, that, that's dropping. Um, but yeah. Uh, wait. So like, I recently got Hulu, right? So mm-hmm. for a long time, I was I just had Netflix, and then um, I got a new iPhone, which came with Apple TV Plus for a year, and then Disney Plus came out. I got that. Um, now I just recently got Hulu as well. Um, holy shit. What a difference. Uh, Netflix is clearly superior, uh, <laughs> both in terms of content as well as just their overall uh, uh, platform, right? Aesthetically, uh, how you like their algorithm, how they recommend uh, uh, shows or movies to you, how you scroll, how you interact with their, their platform. Uh, just in its entirety, it's it's superior superior to Hulu. 
But does it, it matter? It, it's like, was was that did, like does it matter like in terms of your ability to like interact with shit and like you know what it recommends yada yada like like I don't really give a shit about that. I just I go on there for what I want to go on there for and get out. No, see, like I do enjoy when Netflix recommends a movie to me that. I may like based off of like things that I've watched before. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like how it's organized and structured. Like here's my list of things that I want to watch here, are things that, uh, you know, that I want to continue watching here, are things that I've watched already and I may want to rewatch and then new releases, recommendations, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then it goes down into like categories and like visually it's all in front of you and you just kind of have to scroll through and find what you want. Hulu's, um, platform focuses more on like large feature like you here's this feature and here's that feature and you can go category by category but it shows you like one feature at a time instead of multiple options i don't like that it's like you know if you have a a huge catalog of like a thousand different shows and movies why are you showing me one at a time yeah i don't okay yeah i don't give a shit dude <laughs> just just uh let me get in let me select exactly what the fuck i want to watch and let me get the fuck out yeah well it's harder to do that on hulu basically yeah yeah um but uh from hulu uh which has pretty much nothing new coming out uh we go to amazon prime which also doesn't really have anything new coming out but they do have uh one of i think probably the scariest movies I think I've ever watched in my entire life, which is paranormal activity three. Uh, not the first paranormal activity is a little, you know, that's terrifying in and of itself. The second one was, uh, was a little terrifying. The third one was completely off the charts for me. It was, uh, you know, and it had the quintessential thing to make anybody terrified of anything. And that's, uh, uh, little white girls, uh, you know, yeah. that, that's always going to make every story that much more terrifying. <laughs> Introduce little, little white girls, like swinging back and forth, watching you sleep, you know, uh, yeah, that, that becomes immediately more terrifying than anything else. But, uh, but yeah, that's all that's coming out on uh, Amazon prime. I thought I'd give uh, that throwback a, a shout out. Um, now let's hop to, uh, to Netflix. Um, so this particular uh, week on Netflix, we've got uh, cooked with uh, cannabis since, of course, you know, four twenties uh, coming up. So, um, well timed. Yeah, very well timed. Very well timed. They know what they're doing over there. They, they you know, they 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 got a little bit of a marketing team. They <laughs> yeah, figure out how to coordinate all this shit. Um, then we have uh, the Midnight Gospel, um, and we have Middle uh, Middleitch and uh, Schwartz, which uh, I think it's Ben Schwartz, and then I think his name is Tom uh, uh, Middleitch, uh, and they are two actors. You might not be familiar with Middleitch, but uh, Schwartz is from. Uh, do you remember watching Parks and Rec? I never watched Parks and Rec. Okay, never mind. I have no use for that. <laughs> uh, okay, but they they're coming out with like and it's it was kind of cool about this is it's a um it's like a improv. Uh it's just the two of them and they just like they ask questions from the audience and then they just improv whatever the scenarios the the audience lays out for them. So it's uh it's pretty cool. Um not sure if it'll be my favorite, but you know, it's a cool idea though. Um all right, let's jump into uh oh some other Netflix stuff. Uh, we have Absurd Planet uh and then we have a circus of books um and uh and then uh, el uh, silencio uh del uh, pantano 
and then the, the plagues of Breslau, uh, and then uh, the willow bees, uh, when the wilderness, the house of flowers, afterlife season two, extraction with uh, uh, Liam Hemsworth, right? Yeah, that's it. That's his name, right? Liam Hemsworth. Uh, yep. Okay. Um, is it Liam? No, it's Chris Hemsworth. It's Thor. Chris. Okay. Yeah, it's his his brother is the uh, the less talented one, right? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That was a yes. Poor, uh, he's poor the joke. not as cool one, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, and then we have uh, Hello Ninja uh, season two, and then we have uh, Your Sincerely Kanan Gill, uh, which is a stand up uh, uh, comedy. Uh, and then we have, I think, in a throwback, uh, great movie, uh, Django Unchained. Uh, we have uh, coming out on Netflix this uh, this this particular. Oh, okay. Definitely check that one out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let, let's flip the script here. Let's. Um, and you guys have to bear with us because I'm uh, we're, we're we're dealing with a whole new system here. If you guys couldn't tell, uh, and so I'm going to need a sec to uh, get my bearings about me. But I. Th- what are some like there's some there's some hits on netflix that i've seen recently like just some old stuff i've, I've been wanting to watch mm. just like some old like denzel movies uh i saw like murder at 1600 you know i'm an old like you know heyday wesley snipes fan yeah uh you know the matrix is always a good watch there's some Dude, really fire content on there right now there is but there's just too much shit on there as always for me to like even keep up with like what the old shit is. And then too, I'm trying to get out of the habit of watching old shit and watch, uh, you know, something new just to, you know, be able yeah, to so, say that I watched uh, quick shit. story. So I had to choose, right. It's like HBO just made a lot of their, uh, like older hit shows, um, free, like, uh, what is it? Six feet under, um, the Sopranos, oh, yeah, 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 the wire. We were watching, uh, we were watching insecure last night. You were watching insecure. Yeah. 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 Because, okay. uh, and we thought we had to pay for it because the season four just started but there was like free we're like all right bet yeah what, what were you watching it on uh like what device yeah uh it's just like netflix no 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 on um on uh, the tv okay oh sure okay yeah um cause I, so through apple tv like there's the sopranos is there six feet under the wire all that stuff so i started the wire and uh i live in maryland and for a lot of people like it's just insane that i've never seen the wire so i figured like if i'm gonna go back and watch one show it's gonna be that show just to get it over with just to be able to say like all right i've seen the wire too so that, that was my uh throwback series and it's only five seasons so it's not like it's not one of those shows that's like 13 seasons long where you have to commit three years of your life to it. Uh, should be a quick watch. Yeah. Very, very low committal, uh, watch. Actually, no, I, what I'm lying with the wire. No, the lot, the wires are commitment. That's five seasons. You, <laughs> and they're 22 episodes each. So <laughs> good luck with that. Really? They're 22 episodes each. I'm pretty sure unless it's HBO. So it might not be a case, but I'm I'll think pretty so. sure. I don't know. But I've gone through six episodes in two days, so you know I'm moving at a good pace. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about um, uh, something else here. We uh, uh, school's back in session, man. Uh, we we've got uh, a new iteration of Saved by the Bell uh, that's that's come back into the fold. Um, first of all, let me let me let me do, do you did you like Saved by the Bell growing up? No. 
was a, that was very affirmative. That's <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't hate it. It, it just wasn't my, uh, to me, it, it really just wasn't that funny. Mm. I, I've, I've seen many episodes of it. Do you remember when you were a kid, you woke up in the morning and like, you would either put it on like MTV to like listen to music videos as you were getting ready to school, or you could watch, Hey, Arthur, or, you know, whatever cartoons are on, you could watch the news. Uh, if you're, uh, a future billionaire. That's probably what Jeff Bezos watched as a kid while we were watching like music videos. Um, but like you had your options, right? For me, I used to watch like music videos. I used to like want to, you know, jam out in the morning. And there were times when I caught a few episodes of saved by the bell. I just never thought it was funny. Hmm. Yeah. I never really thought it was funny, but I never really took it as anything more than like, uh, just like any other sort of like, not even a drama, but just like a show. Like I just never really, I never went to it for comedy. So much mm-hmm. as just like seeing how other people like grew up, right? Like seeing Zach get into some dumbass shit or, you know, seeing, you know, what was up with Screech or whatever. Like I, I just kind of took it like I would watch like Family Matters. Like I really, I never really found Family Matters funny. Just check it out to see what the Wind- Winslows are up to, you know? You know? See, I think Urkel was funny. Like he was like an interesting, funny character. It was comedy during that particular time, of course. But I think Urkel was funny. Mm, I don't know. I might not. I might not agree with you on that. But uh, but with Save the By the Bell, let me get to the synopsis real quick. Uh, so here we have it that. Um, it's a follow-up series to the 1990s uh, comedy, of course, or sitcom, of course. Uh, and uh, it's about a group of California low-income high school students who are transferred to Pacific, uh, Pacific uh, Palisades, a wealthy Bayside high, uh, high, following a program by California Governor Zach Morse. Uh, the series is uh, uh, created by Sam Hargrave, I believe, but it's uh, it's got a different showrunner, and I, I can find her name here in a sec. But uh, uh, but stars, uh, of course, returning Elizabeth Berkley, uh, Mario Lopez, Mark uh, Paul Goslier, and uh, Tiffany Thyssen. Although she's technically only in one episode, and even Mark Paul Goslier, who who played Zach Morris, uh, you know, in the original. Uh, sitcom he uh, he's only in three episodes uh, and unfortunately they didn't even film their parts before the coronavirus shit uh, derailed it all so <laughs> hmm. so Screech isn't in this right? no uh, and that's the one thing uh, that I was going to actually bring up was the the missing cast members uh, this is actually technically due out uh, July 15th uh, of, of this year I don't know if that's going to be the case because you know they might not have gotten a chance to shoot a lot of stuff but yeah. uh but what i noticed was you know it was, it was I, I saw this was notable because of who was missing from the 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 cast uh so you have uh, uh lark Voorhees, which is an awesome name by the way uh very gotta, very dope you gotta name. be badass to have that name Mark Voorhees, who played uh, Lisa, she played Lisa Turtle. Um, she's not on there now. I did see some stuff that basically said like maybe they didn't want her back because uh, I think she's had some mental health issues, uh, and I think something. Uh, I think it was something like she she was a uh, bipolar or something like that. Uh, not confirmed whether that's the case or not, but uh, she was uh, I guess speculating uh, uh, about that um, that that's why they didn't want her back. 
but then also uh, they didn't have, uh, just like you mentioned, Screech, uh, Dustin Diamond. Um, now, he's had a lot of other shit. And I, I think they would be well within their right not to have him back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, so he's he um, I, I do remember he. uh First of all, he, he, you know, he's into those like celebrity boxing matches shit. Um, and then also uh, he's had like a lot of run-ins with like the law too. And then on top of that, I think he put out even a book that was like a tell-all book about, you know, Saved by the Bell and all that shit. Yeah, um, where I think he like uh, bashed a few of the cast members exactly. and like the original directors and producers. Like it just wasn't a good look. Yeah. Um, it wasn't an invitation back you know if they were ever rebooting the show or doing a feature film uh based off of like the things he said on social media the, the stuff in the book and just like his antics um since you know i think everybody knew he wasn't going to be back yeah yeah uh and like you know, didn't he do porn I at hope, one time i hope not i hope not yeah uh nobody wants to be watching some porn and then see fucking screech on there that that <laughs> that's when you just have to re, re you know reevaluate re your life and think how did i get here how did i get to the point where i'm you've got your dick in your hand and you're just like wait is that screech <laughs> you know what <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> let me call my call wife <laughs> tell her i'm sorry i'm gonna be a better man go to church <laughs> uh, let me find the lord um uh but uh but yeah uh and then also mr belding uh is is not in it uh dennis haskins who played uh, mr belding um so i'm not going to watch this i know i'm not going to watch this for two specific reasons for one it's coming out on peacock and i just simply refuse go ahead no, I was thinking, yeah, it is a Peacock exclusive, and I, I'm not going anywhere near that. No, no, that does not sound appetizing. I just, by principle, I can't watch something entitled or ha with a, such a stupid name. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, the show is kind of centered, I think, around uh, their son. Um, is, uh, and I'm sorry, I, I meant Zach and Kelly's son. So Kelly Kapowski, who was played by... Um, uh, Tiffany uh, Tyson, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Um, they, they get married apparently, or maybe they're not married. I have no idea. Uh, but, uh, they have a son. His name is Mac Morris. Now I'll remind everybody, uh, Mark Paul, uh, Ghostlier played Zach Morris. After seeing that, I was like, nah, there's just no way I can, I can reasonably watch this with any sort of interest. Uh, Too cheesy for you, Mac Morris. We couldn't have we couldn't have brainstorm anything better. We we had some time. Think of like an actual name, something that wasn't just. It just sounds lazy. <laughs> it's not, all right. Yeah. Well, they were just like all right. What rhymes with Zach? Uh, lack pack hack, <laughs> Mac. Fuck it. Let's go with that. <laughs> We're late already. <laughs> yeah, it it was uh yeah, that that's tough to and then like too, like in the actual trailer that we that we got for it, um first of all we get a lot of AC Slater, which is cool. I I was like Slater, I was Doug Slater, but also it's like he's like a thousand years old and yet you know he looks like he's like twenty. Slater's um, Mario Mario Lopez's character, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, huge shout out to Mario Lopez, by the way. Like here's a guy who hasn't aged at all. 
still looks great and managed to uh, he dev- he he's built a really really strong brand for himself in like you know the years following Save by the Bell like he's always on e network hosting different whether it's like award shows or um just like network shows doing celebrity interviews he's got like fitness lines he's got health products lines um you know shout out to him he's you know he's managed to increase his bag year after year i got to respect that yeah, I suppose. Uh, but uh, yeah, just don't have him sit down with uh, Candace Owens because apparently that that produces weird results uh, that nobody likes. Uh, apparently, what uh, happened? Well, yeah, it was when he was talking about uh, raising kids, uh, and uh, I think it was something like he said uh, something was it with like, like their gender or something like that. Yeah, like it was too like you know with a child who's so young you shouldn't uh you shouldn't necessarily try to impress upon them or you know let them choose their own gender or whatever the case is and, and then he got like a shit ton of backlash uh and really 100 percent right in my opinion yeah i mean i'm not gonna say he's 100 percent right but i i just thought what he said wasn't as controversial as like you know what the backlash would indicate and i'm not even sure the backlash is that serious maybe it was just like a few outlets just like with anything else they're like oh yeah there's a lot of backlash and it's like five people on twitter who are like fuck this shit yeah uh, yeah so um yeah all right let's uh let's press the fuck forward here um let's uh let's jump into another trailer that just uh that that just came out uh so we've got uh capone um which so this uh i'll give you the quick synopsis here this film is starring tom hardy uh we all know the al capone story but this film is going to focus on the 47 year old al capone who after 10 years in prison starts suffering from dementia and uh becomes haunted by his violent past uh so first of all this motherfucker tom hardy is (laughs) He he's like the new gangster uh, 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 star, right? If, if you're doing a gangster movie, you get you get Tom Hardy to do it. Uh, what was that other movie that he was in, um, where he played the two brothers, like um, about the Cray, the uh, two Cray brothers? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you the uh, the name of the the movie, but uh, uh, it was I called Legend. Know. Legend, okay. Yeah. So he played the the Cray brothers in the film Legend, and he was also in the movie Lawless with uh um uh Shia LaBeouf now in this movie they weren't necessarily gangsters they were like bootleggers but they did some gangster shit uh anyway Tom Hardy he's your guy if you're doing a gangster movie yeah yeah he's uh he's definitely your your guy um now at least nowadays uh I think it was after it was after uh Bane people thought oh okay you can fuck some people up okay uh yeah let's just have him fucking smoke a cigar and and I mean, he he has a stellar um, resume of, of films. Uh, but again, so this movie Capone, which is uh, set to release on May 12, twenty twenty, I highly, highly doubt that. Oh uh, no, it, it definitely it, it is, uh, and I'll explain that in a sec. Uh, so this is actually directed by Josh Trank, uh, and also ris- written by Trank. And uh, everybody, I think, remembers Trank from for one, uh, he uh, he wrote um, uh, Chronicle. Um, uh, which starred Michael B., uh, Dane DeHaan, uh, and then uh, who's the other person? I forget the other person that was in uh, Chronicle, but uh, but then also went on to do the Fantastic Four, which 
widely was <laughs> lampooned uh, yeah. as just generally terrible. I actually, weirdly enough, I, I didn't think it was actually that bad. I, I've seen worse movies than Fantastic Four, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was severely lampooned. Um, so yeah. this is going to be an Amazon Prime release. Uh, I don't right? know. Is that is that why you're? Um... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's coming on, uh, Amazon prime, but let me, let me get to that in one sec. So, uh, this stars Tom Hardy, Linda Cardellini, uh, Matt Dillon and, uh, Kyle, uh, McLaughlin. Um, and just like you said, Iran is, is due out May 12th of this year, but supposedly it's supposed to be coming out on VOD, uh, released by vertical entertainment. I don't know if they're, you know, if other streaming platforms are going to pick it up or if it was specifically, uh, it, if it needs to be sold to like another, you know, distributor, or, I don't know. I don't know how all that is currently, you know, laid out, but I think that they're preparing, of course, to release it on VOD um, versus obviously theater, since there will not be a theater for them to enter <laughs> into. Yeah. Do you, do you think May 12th is too soon? That's like literally right around the corner. No, not a, depending on when, you know, cause they might've had the, the movie in the can for, you know, years now. Uh, yeah. yeah, they mm. might have they might have had the movie finished, you know, two years ago or last year. And it, they were just waiting to, like, do like some post editing or something like that. Um, and, you know, then they got hit with the whole coronavirus thing. And then they're like, all right, fuck it. What are we going to do? You know, let's let's go ahead and just release it VOD and see where, where the fuck that gets us. So here's why I ask. Right. So I think that the you know, the current administration um you know, all the science and, and the, all the updates and information we're getting in terms of like the coronavirus and when this thing is going to peak and when we're going to start to see some like regression in uh, infection rates, uh, you know, the downside of the bell curve. Right. And they're saying that, you know, by uh, June or May, June, or realistically mid June, no mid May, early June, um, july at the latest right the country will kind of open back up and hopefully life will start to return to normal uh and then you might see like another outbreak or spike during the winter time if you release your movie mid-may to early june and that's around the time that like you know the country reopens and you know you're no longer uh, being asked to quarantine or stay at home that'll fucking suck <laughs> because no, everyone is going to want to like rush to be back outside. And I think people are still going to be cautious, but you know, as soon as people could get back outside, they're going to be outside. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, don't, I don't, think it's going to be a much slower situation than that. Or it, at, at best, it's going to be a mix. Some people are, are going to rush out and just do everything and literally just live outside of their homes. Others are going to be super fucking cautious because they see that, for one, the, the government is trying to, like, force shit to reopen. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's, you know, we're all safe. Uh, it just means that they just, you know, they, they don't want to see the, the economy plummet any more than it has. So they're going to try to open it back up. Uh, and then, you know, how do you actually know? You know, because there are stories that have been coming out that, you know, the the people who've had uh, COVID-19, that they they've uh, they they got it, got better. And then somewhere down the line, they uh, they tested positive for it again. So if that's the case. 
I don't even know how, how the fuck do you solve that? Like, and you're yeah. about a year away from a vaccine. Nope. <laughs> nope. But again, I think a lot of people are going to like, as soon as uh, you know, the stay at home orders are uh, no longer in effect. I think they're going to rush to be outside. I think you're going to see like the spike in streaming content that we've been seeing on Netflix and Hulu. I think you're going to see that like teeter off a little bit. Um, so I, Interesting well, time to release it, but uh, well, this movie looks good. So I think people are going to watch it anyway. Yeah, they, they, they might. I don't know. It, to me, it didn't look, uh, it looked okay. It didn't, uh, it didn't look like anything earth shattering. And I thought it kind of weirdly enough, I, I, and I don't mean, I don't, I don't want to be a dick saying this, like, cause I don't want to like disrespect the fact that you actually got a movie made because that's a minor miracle in and of itself. But to me, there was an air of cheesiness to it. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if that's even justified. I, I, don't, I don't know what the fuck, like, I don't know. Just watching it, it, it felt like, oh, they've got Tom Hardy in this, but they didn't have like the supporting things around that in order to like make it like a viable, like, oh shit, I gotta go see this. It looks like, oh, it's just Tom Hardy doing Tom Hardy shit, which if you're yeah. into Tom Hardy, I guess it works for you. What I like about this is like the angle that it took, right? So this is not focusing on like Al Capone in his heyday as like, you know, the big bad motherfucker um, who everyone fears and he's uh, revered. This is focusing on like the downward side of, um, you know, your your heyday, right? 40 seven years uh he's regressing into dementia and he's kind of like losing a little bit right like what does that look like when you go from being this feared drug crime uh crime lord to being someone who's you know essentially like losing their mind uh, i think that's what's going to make this story so interesting and then you know when, when you know that you're able to watch the trailer from that perspective for me that's what made this movie interesting yeah um yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll see Come we'll 12. see yeah uh, let's, uh, let's press forward here. Let's, uh, quick answer before I, <laughs> so I'll talk about space force. So oh, wait, hold on. Uh, uh, let's, let's jump to Mandalorian first. Cause, uh, oh, that's the way the order I had it. And I just have to find my actual numbers here. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sorry about that. I definitely switched it up, but we will jump to the Mandalorian first. Uh, right, and I'll go. take this one. So, uh, the Mandalorian Net, um, uh, this wasn't on Netflix. This is Disney Plus. I mean, just smash hit uh, success. It was released. Uh, what was it released? Was it earlier in 2020 or no, back uh, end of 2019? Yeah, I believe it's at the t- like close to the tail end of uh, 2019. Unless I'm mistaken. Okay. Uh, like so the Mandalorian, fall. which uh, stars, I always forget this fucking guy's name. Um, uh, oh shit! Uh, damn it. Now that you ask, he was, he was in game of Thrones. He, uh, uh, I got you. Just continue. uh, Fuck. He was also in, uh, Netflix's. Ah, fuck. I forgot his name, (laughs) but anyway, I got you. Created by John Favreau. So again, the Mandalorian, huge, massive success for Disney plus, um, you know, continuation or another storyline of the, uh, of the star Wars cinematic universe. Um, Eight episodes, $15 million per episode, huge spend on this. Uh, and then, and they reap the rewards again, uh, this being like the success that it was. Uh, so the making of this film, uh, or Disney just announced, uh, and it was Pedro Pascal, by the way. Pedro Pascal. Yeah. yeah. So easy to remember, but 
I don't know why I couldn't. So Disney recently announced the Mandalorian, a docu-series um, from its Disney galleries category, I guess. Um, so it's Disney galleries for the Mandalorian, which is supposed to premiere on Star Wars Day, which I didn't know existed, but it does. That is on May 4th. And this is just going to be a... Um, a multi-episode docu-series into the making of The Mandalorian, which I think is going to be phenomenal. Uh, why? Mostly because it's going to show you know, everything that went into the making of this, of this film, but it's going to feature you know, the story behind Baby Yoda, right? It's going to feature the story behind The Mandalorian himself. It's probably going to feature a lot of, a lot of Pedro Pascal, um, and whose face wasn't even shown the entire season one of the Mandalorian, but we're going to get a lot of that like backstory. Uh, what a way to diversify your, your catalog. Right. Um, for me, I think there's a great appetite for this. A lot of people no longer, uh, or I mean, they definitely want to watch the film, but a lot of people want to understand like what goes into making a film. What went into the making of season eight for uh, the Game of Thrones? Like what went good? What went bad? What went according to plan? What was completely off script? And like, how did it all come together? Um, well-timed being that like the Mandalorians, there's still a lot of people watching it. It's still a huge hit. It's still a topic of conversation. And now they're refreshing that conversation with this uh, Disney gallery docu-series that's set to release. Uh, and, and again, very timely here. May 4th is just around the corner. Um, and if the Mandalorian came out during the back end of 2019, you may still be watching it in early 2020. Um, this is going to hit at the right time. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's well timed, uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see sort of like how they put it all together. Because I think you know, no matter what you think about the story, which I personally, you know, I I, I didn't I wasn't too too uh, too keen on the actual story itself. In fact, I, I thought it, I thought it was pretty poor uh, as far as the story goes. Um, but I think one thing you can't deny is, is that it, it looks beautiful uh, and. Uh, and uh, Pedro Pascal, he actually did a, a great job, even though he wears pretty much a mask the entire time. And half the time, I'm pretty sure it's not him. Um, <laughs> that's, that's wearing it. Uh, but he he still did a great job, you know, for for what it's worth. Um, and so it'd be great to see sort of like, OK, how they put this all together, you know, what went into it. Um, and John Favreau was kind of a strange director in that he's had his hand in some pretty significant things uh you know uh, this uh, the mandalorian um you know not being an exception um and uh and so i i'm i'm, I'm curious what his process is you know like how does he go about doing the things he does because he uh he, he's been involved in so many big big time things but yet i kind of just look at him as like an actor i it's always hard for me to like picture him as um uh, you know, as a, as a director, um, yeah. even though he's done so many great things, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that. Um, yeah. And again, I, I just think the backstory behind this is phenomenal. There's no trailer for the docu-series yet. Um, but during that, during Star Wars day, again, on May 4th, uh, uh, Disney's also releasing uh, Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars, which I think is like an animated um series so uh the month of may is looking like it's going to be it's going to belong to disney uh it's going to belong to the star wars category because they're just dropping so much heat right here yeah yeah i do uh believe so uh with that being said let's uh let's jump forward here um let's talk about some space force uh real quick um so 
uh, I don't know if it necessarily came out this, uh, if we got a tremendous amount of news this week, except for, I think we got some, some photos and, and shit like that. Um, of uh of what's going on with the series but uh for those who do not know um we are getting a series called space force from netflix uh which is uh and i'll give you the quick synopsis here space force is a workplace comedy uh series that can uh that centers on a group of people tasked with establishing the sixth branch of the united uh states armed forces the united states space force uh this is created by greg daniels and steve carell uh both uh you know obviously pretty much linked and and very synonymous with uh the office uh and and so uh and so yeah uh so i kind of want to tackle this in a couple different ways uh but we can just talk about the actual series uh you know uh right now in terms of like what we're expecting based on some of like the photos and information that we 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 got i think steve corral's kind of been on a hot streak right now right so we've got um so i mean the office is still still a massive success right uh to this day um is it hasn't been pu- no hasn't been pulled from Netflix yet, but it will be pulled from Netflix soon and moved over to Peacock. Peacock, okay. Yeah. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the Office still a massive success. Steve Carell has also uh, had a huge success in uh, the Morning Show, which also stars Jennifer Aniston on Apple TV, uh, and he, now we have the Space Force, uh, which to me again is just. Uh, well-timed series, which I think I would imagine, you know, how like this, you know, this idea came together. It was like, you know, Trump announced the space force um, once it was approved and the space force was officially uh, instilled as the sixth branch of the U S military. I mean, you know, the jokes were probably just rolling in for comedians, writers um, across the board. And it looks like they were able to pull together an idea for this. I think, this has the makings of something that could potentially be very funny uh, to be very like uh, uh, timely in terms of like the comedy, very like current and relevant. Yeah. Uh, Steve Corral has, you know, if it's anything like the, like the style of comedy that we've seen in the past from Steve Corral, a very just like situational, situationally funny, sarcastic humor. I think this could be really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be funny. Uh, you know, it, it's hard for me not to think of Steve Carell as, as anything but hilarious um, with his, you know, just general sense of humor. <laughs> um, but what what gives this the extra umph that I think uh, that I think we're going to get out of it is this is a thing that actually like exists. Um, and when people think of something called the United States Space Force. I think they're going to think of something akin to this, even though that's not necessarily like what the actual space force is about. And that's what I kind of meant about talking about, uh, you know, kind of tackling this from two different ways. So the first is the actual facts of what, you know, like what, what we're actually doing as far as the space force is concerned, because it's an actual thing um, as, as hard as it might be to believe that we have something called the space force, but uh, basically it's, it is the sixth uh, uh, arm of the um, or sixth branch of the uh, armed forces. Uh, so you have the Navy, the army Marine Corps um, uh, air force uh, as well as the coast guard. And now of course, sp- uh, space force and, um, 
And like, I, th- I think it's worth talking about exactly like what it's supposed to be. Um, so the Space Force will uh, focus on national security and uh, preserving uh, the satellites and vehicles uh, that are dedicated to international communications and observation. That doesn't actually sound bad, does it? Like that sounds pretty chill, pretty normal, you know, some shit that we should probably actually be doing, right? Where it gets a little weird is uh, when you jump into like the nitty gritty of uh, what it's what they're doing. So for one, they're uh, the three sort of you know, tenants of it is, is that it's, um, establish a space development agency. This is an agency tasked with developing and testing new and improved national security capabilities and technology in space. Not, not bad. Establish a space operations force. This force will be a uh, collection of space experts from throughout the military who will provide needed expertise to combat commanders and anyone else throughout the space force. I didn't understand that. And I didn't know if it was just like a miss, like a misspelling yeah. or combat commanders, yeah. that language right there. I didn't uh, understand. doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make, and then it really kind of lost me when it said, uh, create a United States space force command, uh, led by a four star general or flag officer. The new space command would, uh, direct and improve operations for space war fighting. That's when I was like, okay, yeah, now we're off the rails. Yeah. Now, now, <laughs> But I think Jared Kushner or maybe like Ivanka wrote that up um, because this whole, uh, again, some of it sounds like stuff that we should be doing, monitoring international um, uh, communication and some of the devices, uh, technology that we have in outer space, satellites, so on and so on. Uh, But this is really just a joke. Uh, You know, if you're in the Space Force, right, and like you, you know, you walk into a bar, right, and it's like a military off base type of bar or whatever right fucking marines are there uh army guys are there some navy people and air force people are there some coast guard people are there and some space force fuckers walk in (laughs) okay it's i can imagine like they might just whoop their ass (laughs) like Like you have to get initiated in some way right (laughs) yeah well so i mean and that's that's the funny part about it right is is that like we already have uh, what's puzzling to me is, is like, and I think people have actually weirdly enough, they've been advocating for something like this before Trump even took office. Right. Like all the way back in early 2016. Um, I think this was, or actually that would be during like uh, the beginning of Trump's presidency, but still uh, they were advocating for like some, they, I don't think they called it space force, but they called it, it was something akin to it right before Trump got wind of it and, um, and then took it, uh, took it and ran with it. Uh, but, my question is, we have the Air Force Space Command, and then we also have NASA. Why the fuck do we need a Space Force? Like, like, can't we just beef up those existing programs? Like, like why not just fund NASA more? Why not yeah. dedicate funding to uh, uh, the Air Force Space Command? Uh, it seems like now a third agency essentially with like the same goal. No, it's not even a third agency. It's another. basically going to be an, an entirely like new wing to uh, the original, uh, the, the, the five existing branches of the, the military, which is just like, I don't know. Part of me feels like they're just using this as an excuse to like, just, you know, be able to play loose and fast with the money uh, that that's really what it's more about is just about another way to like hide shit and be like, Oh yeah, we need some more money to do some bullshit. Uh, um, move a trillion dollars over there. 
and it's it's for the space force yeah, but like it's really for it. some stupid <laughs> shit um yeah. for for some like international spying in, in on countries where we have no no reason to be there anyway yeah um so again i think this this space force show that's going to be uh starring steve corral appearing um which will be on netflix pretty soon well-timed i think this is going to be very funny um and I think the content will be funny in terms of like how timely they can be with this thing. Right. Um, I wonder what this will develop into though. Like, I wonder if this will be like a short run, like, Hey, this is funny now, or if this goes on for like three or four seasons, like what it could become. I think it's, it's a combination of things. It depends on how funny it is. But then also I think if the space force thing actually does like turn into an actual like thing that's like a part of our lives and that you know they're, they're actually doing some shit with then i think it might flavor like how you sort of like depict it um but w- one last thing about uh trump you know trump's a really good marketer but here's where the his reality television tendencies tend to show right like it's okay it, the actual program itself in part doesn't actually sound terrible but it's you can just know he was sitting in a meeting like, what should we call it? What should we call it? Let's call it Space Force. Like, there should have been somebody there to be like, nah, nigga, that, that sounds stupid as shit. Like, that, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to take it seriously. <laughs> uh, being called Space Force. to call it like, what was that? What was that movie? Was it Super Troopers or something like that? Or <laughs> yeah. uh, space, Starship Troopers or some shit? Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know he wanted to go with something like that. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm actually sure that they've probably got some sort of like branding with that on it that it's like the space, space force is probably actually like the takedown version <laughs> of what Trump wanted it to be called. Yeah, it's his, it's his, uh, it's his meeting us in the middle. Um, but the, the, I remember the seeing the logo and the logo looks slam like the starship, uh, enterprise from, uh, from star Trek. Like they look identical. It's, yeah. It's concerning. Worse than the logo, though, were their colors. Like, why does the Space Force have camouflage <laughs> uh, in space? Well, you never know. <laughs> you might have to get low in space. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's move the fuck on from this stupidity. Although, I'm sure the show itself is going to be, uh, be hilarious. Um, okay. Let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about. So let's, uh, let's talk about T'Challa. Yeah. The king, the Black Panther lives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he may not be because he's looking fairly. <laughs> well, let, let, let me give the people's the, uh, the, the, the give us an synopsis really quickly. Yeah. So, um, so uh, essentially, um, Chadwick Boseman, he did an Instagram live uh, about uh, a thing called Operation 42. And I'll explain what that is in, in, in just a sec. Uh, but his fans freaked out because he looked, as you can tell from, from the B-roll that you see now, he looks extra slim. He looks super slim. Uh, and I don't know if it's maybe just a cropping on the, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, on Instagram live or what. But uh, but yeah, he, he definitely looks like he dropped a few pounds. Um, but I, when I was, when I was, when I was looking into this, I, I, you know, the, the, the funniest part about it is, is that the thing that he's advocating for people are like, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I I don't hear any of it. All I want to know is, are you eating enough? Are you sick? Do you have COVID? Like, you know, uh, but he's actually advocating for something that's pretty fucking great. Uh, and if you guys indulge me for a sec, I'll explain what that is. It's operation 42. Like I mentioned before. 
which is a donation of $4.2 million uh, in personal protective equipment to hospitals that service the African-American communities uh, hit the hardest by the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and the reason why they're doing it 42 is because, of course, uh, uh, Chadwick, he, he starred as uh, Jackie Robinson in uh, the movie 42. So you know, it's just uh, marketing. Yeah, and I believe that he announced this on Jackie Robinson Day. Mm, yeah. As well. Uh, so yeah, the Operation Forty Two. I mean, great cause. Um, uh, t- as you said, you know, African American communities. Uh, if you look at all of the uh, COVID nineteen statistics, uh, African Americans have been impacted. African Americans, African American communities have been impacted by this uh, the most severely. And uh, we all know that you know the, uh, these African American communities are underserved when it comes to healthcare needs. Um, hospitals are underfunded, or hospitals just aren't there in the communities, and they don't have the uh, the resources to, to to really treat this thing in the way that um, other hospitals and other communities are uh, equipped to respond to this thing. So, uh, I mean, this is a a great cause. Um, he announced it on a on a timely day, and and uh, this really is a positive thing that he's doing here. But to your point, people can't help but to notice that um, you know the Black Panther does not look. You know, he's. I don't think. It, if you were to fight Killmonger today, <laughs> I don't know how that fight goes. I, I don't know how that turns out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got mixed, mixed feelings about this because for one, we don't know why, why he looks like that. For one, he truth be told, he actually does not, you know, ordinarily, he doesn't really look that sort of uh, jacked up or like, you know, he looks like he has, he always carries a lot of weight. Like, I think he, I remember him doing an interview with the, uh, the breakfast club where I was like, Hmm, he, he, yeah, he is looking a little slimmer than I, than I remember him as in, in the black Panther movie. Um, but then I don't know, maybe he's getting ready for a fucking role. Uh, maybe he's just not eating that much because, you know, doesn't want to go outside and fucking get, I don't know. You know, uh, it could be a number of things, but I think, you know, it's interesting that if he didn't look that way, this wouldn't make any headlines. Nobody would be talking about this right now as far as, you know, what he's actually doing, which is, um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, me, me saying that is acting as if I'm like above the fray, but the truth is I'm not, but it's just sad that that's, that's what we, that's what we value is just drama of like, Oh, you know, yeah, the skinny. appearance and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So again, to your point, he is like a, a slimmer guy. Um, you know, we, we, even when you see him in other movies, even in the Jackie Robinson movie, he was not like this big, bulky, cut-up guy. Um, but you know, it's hard to notice. Like you know, if you uh, page six dot com was the one in which I found like an article about this whole thing. Um, and on page six dot com, in the write-up, they have a picture of him from twenty nineteen uh, and a picture of him from where we are today, twenty twenty. You know, the, the, there's a huge difference here in in, in in terms of like, it looks like his weight, how he looks. Um, to your point, he may just have lost some weight for a role, which is not uncommon for an actor. Um, and unfortunately, his appearance did take away from like the message he was delivering here. Uh, or, or, or amplified it, depending on how you want to look at it, right? Like, again, I don't think if, anybody... Even talking about it right now, if, you know, you know, he didn't look the way he did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sad state of affairs, but that's uh, that is indeed where we are 
at. Uh, let me figure out what I'm doing graphics wise here besides pressing random buttons, uh, <laughs> which appears is what I'm doing. Ah, there we go. Okay. Um, so now that we talked about uh, Black Panther uh, going on a diet, um, let's talk about what's next on our list. Uh, James Gunn. Uh, yeah. So let's. Oh, I, I can't wait to talk about this. This is. Uh, it's actually pretty pretty exciting so um we james gunn has been having a lot of fun uh in 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 quarantine uh and uh one of the things that he's done is uh uh he sparked up a conversation about the and i don't know why 27 uh but he picked 27 sequels that were better than uh the original so i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that up uh now um actually you know what let me go full screen with it uh whoops no there we go all right um so as you can see uh there are a lot of uh there are a lot of um films on here and let's go through them one by one uh so he thinks toy story 2 is better than one he thinks godfather 2 is better than one uncontroversial choices I i think would you agree yeah Absolutely. Not controversial. Uh, Spider-Man 2, I would agree with that as well. Uh, Bad Lieutenant, uh, Port of Call, New Orleans. I never watched that, so can't you know claim that it is or isn't. Uh, Evil Dead 2, I barely remember watching that, so I, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can you know, uh, uh, co-sign with them on that. Shrek 2, uh, I don't even really remember. It's been so long since I've watched Shrek 2. Maybe, possibly. Uh, the Dark Knight, clearly. Uh, the Dark Knight is better than than the uh, uh, Batman Begins. Um, Bride of Frankenstein. I do not remember that movie, so can't comment. Uh, Hellboy Two. Y- you can probably comment on that, Arain, because I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't watch that. No, I, I don't think Hellboy. I think the first one was better. Mm, very interesting. Okay, uh, you have Road Warrior. Uh, I think he is correct on this one. I think Road Warrior is better than the original Mad Max. Um, uh, and then you have for a few, a uh, few more dollars, which I don't know exactly what that is. Uh, so I can't, uh, you know, uh, respond on that either. Paddington two, uh, never watched one, never watched two. So don't really care. Uh, X two, I thought actually was better than probably the original X-Men. It was a little more mm-hmm. violent, uh, a little more, uh, a little less PG 13. Um, Empire Strikes Back. I think, yeah, that's unanimous. You should be a unanimous consensus. That uh, I can take this uh, the second list here. Sure. Uh, so, Wrath of Khan. I don't even know what the fuck that is. That's uh, Star Trek. Yeah, that's Star- the second second Star Trek movie. Yeah. Which I, which I, I, I watched bits and pieces. I haven't. I've never watched it all together, but uh, I would say that it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Superman two. Do you have any? Uh- yeah. No, he's he's one hundred percent. And each time I get I get fooled into watching Superman, like the first Superman, and not Superman two. I'm like, fuck! Why isn't this Superman two? Now, now Superman. Are we talking about? We're, we're clearly not talking about the most recent Superman no, no, film. No, no, with, no, no. Um, this is that Christopher Reeves version of the. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I I don't remember seeing any of those. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm out there. So Batman <laughs> Returns. Uh, this one, I was like. I don't know. I don't know. Cause, uh, the, the original Batman had, uh, Jack Nicholson playing Joker. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can co-sign on that. I, I'm teetering on no, but also I think Batman returns just stays with you because it's so fucking outlandish with, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, with Danny DeVito as Penguin. Yeah. Um, 
it just something about it that lingers with you. Um, and it also had Christopher Walken in it. Uh, it yeah. Just, so know, the original Batman, who did that have again? Who was the uh, the primary uh, villain? Joker, which was played by Jack Nicholson. Hmm. Are you sure that was so? The Joker with the uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You're right. Uh, you know what? I got to go with this one. I got to go with uh, uh, Batman Returns. While Jack Nicholson was good as the Joker, I think this one, I think Danny DeVito was phenomenal as the Penguin. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I think she was created as Catwoman in this film as well. Uh, so yeah, I got to go with um, Batman Returns on this one. Yeah, I, I can't, I'm not going to like, I, I can't chastise anybody for going with that. I just, for me personally, I don't know. I, I kind of slay it a l- little more towards, I think the younger me would have definitely said Batman Returns, like the, the kid slash teenager me would have mm-hmm. said uh, Batman Returns. But I think as an adult, I would probably today rather watch Batman, the original Batman. Okay. Uh, So next on the list, we have Gremlins 2, which came out in 1990. So this is Gremlins 2, the new batch, the follow-up to the 1984 Gremlins. Uh, So I got to agree with this one too. I think- They uh, they all run together for me. I I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, again, I I mentioned this earlier in the recording. Uh, I'm a huge fan of like early day Wesley Snipes. So next on the list is Blade 2. Uh, absolutely blade two. Yeah. I got, I got to agree with this only, especially if you go back and watch the original blade. Now you're like, I mean, it was all right. Like, (laughs) like it was okay. Soft spot for blade. He's one of my favorite characters, um, in like the MCU. Mm hmm. Uh, Blade One, like you know, whenever Blade is on TV, whether it's one, two, or three, I'm gonna watch it, no matter what. Like I have to watch yeah, it. No, no, a hundred percent. I'm with you. On. Well, well, like uh, so, I'm I'm with you on that. Except for like, I'm just saying, like in comparison, like when I think back to Blade Two, it was just it seemed like it was just so much more like okay, this is the shit that I, that I need. Like when I yeah, go back yeah. and watch one, I'm like, eh, it's all right. I mean, it's cool. Whatever. And that's because I think Blade was the shot in the dark, right? It was yeah. like you know let's see if this thing could yeah. work, you know, uh, like, let's see if there's an appetite for this. Cause it, it, it he is a Marvel character, right. You know, yeah. this was in 19, I believe the first blade came out in 1998. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would definitely take blade one over like Spider-Man one, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Like if, if that's what we're saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then blade two really like, that's when they say, oh, okay, this thing, this thing worked, right. There's the appetite for this blade two really just stepped it up a notch. That shit was fire. Yeah. Uh, Legend of the Drunken Master. I haven't seen this. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I guess is it a Jackie Chan movie? Is that didn't he do all the Drunken Master movies? You racist <laughs> son of a bitch! I, all right, <laughs> uh, continue. I'm not even going to try to. <laughs> well, let's find out because I have no idea what this is. Legend of well, the well, Drunken I, Master. I can figure, I can Damn it! Out. You're right. This is a Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan movie. I knew I wasn't racist. There you go. <laughs> So this Jackie Chan film came out in 1994. Uh, a young martial arts, a young martial artist is caught between respecting his uh, pacifist father. Um, you know, he's he, he uses the drunken uh, martial arts fighting style. I, I haven't seen this movie. I love, I fucking love Jackie Chan, but I haven't seen this, so I can't really give it uh, yeah. thumbs up or. Thumbs I think down. I, I think I've seen the original Drunken Master, but I don't think I've seen the Legend of the Drunken Master, or maybe it was vice, or maybe it was the other way. I don't know. I have no idea. All right, so next on the list, we have Desperado. So this is, uh, is this Antonio Banderas? Yeah. Desperado? Um, Yes, I would have to say this was better than, uh, what is it a sequel to? It's a sequel, Desperado is a sequel to, uh, we'll continue and I'll uh, 
Um, yeah, so so this film was damn. What was the original movie with Salma Hayek? Uh, that's no, the, I think this one actually, or is it the other way around? I can't remember. Fuck, it's been so long. So it was uh, the no, not the fucking Mask of Zorro. <laughs> yeah, I keep wanting to say Mask of Zorro. That's uh, now that's racist. Uh, yeah, that, that is that's super fucked up. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm gonna find it. Too. You you uh, you you continue to just talk shit. Uh, so is it, so there's once upon a time in Mexico. Oh, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had it. Okay. So once upon a time in Mexico came out in 2003, but Desperado oh, came wait, out in no, 95. Wait. So it's definitely, wait. that's not it. Yeah, I'm confused. Hold on. Uh, Desperado. Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to figure this out in real time yeah, here. Yeah, we got you. Yeah. Cause now we're just looking stupid. <laughs> so I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, so 95 so again is when Desperados right came out. Right Oh, so, it's a sequel to El Mariachi, uh, which I never watched. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I never watched that either. Yeah, uh, I, Desperados I think, though was Desperado was fire. So yeah. I'm gonna have to uh, lean. Uh, I'm gonna have, <laughs> You're just gonna have to believe him. Go on faith. Uh, James got on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I didn't know that though. I didn't know that it was a it was a sequel itself. I always thought that Desperado, like I, I knew it was Desperado and something else. Um, but uh but yeah I, I just didn't know that yeah so uh he, he takes this one so desperado i'm leaning with that as well yep. uh next on the list blade runner 2049 i uh, a thousand percent agree yeah yeah. yeah, this is not even really much of a conversation. Yeah, if you've seen the original Blade Runner, yeah. um, which I don't remember when it came out, I think it was like late nineties. Uh, no, 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 no. That's no uh, late eighties. I'm not even sure if it was late eighties. I think it might have been the seventies. That uh, it was the really fuck yeah. no. It, no. I thought it was like, so, I thought it was like 88, 87 no, or something so the, so like that's, that. That's the thing about it is is that it looks so ahead of its time. Um, uh, Ridley, yeah, Ridley Scott was, uh, this movie was just light years, I think, ahead of its time. It was great, fantastic for its time, but I don't know if you compare the two, I would just have to say Blade Runner 2049 blows it out of the fucking water. Like, it smokes it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could watch this movie on mute. It's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's fucking, the cinematography it's alone is, yeah, is Roger Deakins outdid himself with, uh, with the cinematography. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, we have Magnum Force. Uh, I thought this was like a, you know, uh, a little clip or film on Pornhub, but it is not. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what this movie is. Uh, what are your thoughts, though? Well, it's a it's a sequel to uh, unless I'm mistaken, it's a sequel to Dirty Harry um, with a clean uh, Clint Eastwood, um, which never... also sounds like it could be on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually mad true uh, i'm pretty sure it is on <laughs> uh yeah i don't know I, I can't really form an opinion it's been so long since i've seen either film so i, can, I couldn't even tell you yeah uh, i'm just gonna have to lean with uh, james gunn on this one uh, <laughs> next on the list final destination two uh in my opinion absolutely the first one very interesting movie really interesting concept um i think i've think it was just like a somewhat of a shot in the dark like you know let's see if this thing works um it did final destination 2 really took things to the next level uh, i think it was a much better film yeah i mean i t to be fair like again it's another one of those films that i i genuinely don't remember i i watched it i'm pretty sure but i i have no i, I have no concept of yeah. i definitely remember uh you know one and two pretty 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 well uh two to, uh, again, it just kind of took it to the next level, like the the deaths, the plot, uh, just the series of events that took place, the acting, uh, 
two, in my opinion, was better. I think that's where um, after Final Destination 2, that's where there was a hard stop, or at least there should have been. Uh, they went on to produce, I think, Final Destination 3 and 4. Um, God, to this day, I, I think last night I woke up in a nightmare. I was wondering why the fuck they made Final Destination 3. Um, we'll never know, but they did. Uh, so <laughs> next on the list, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Dude, I watch this movie every chance I yeah, get. Yeah, like I, I don't even like... I, I don't I can't even form words. That's how much I think of this film. Um, not only is it better than the original, it might be the best MCU movie out there. Like I, I st- like uh, you might have Civil War, you might have Infinity War, you might even have Endgame. But Winter Soldier is where everything just changed for me. Where I was like, okay, they're doing something different over here in Marvel. Yeah, I think the the this is the best like action. Uh, movie oh in, God. I still in the MCU. I still well, like the fight scenes in here he, between Cap and Winter Soldier. That elevator scene with Captain America incredible. and like all of the uh, Hydra soldiers. Classic. Where, uh, you know, they're trying to like basically capture Cap. Yeah. And he's just like, if anybody wants to get yeah. out now, <laughs> well, and that yeah. fight scene alone uh, yeah. is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. When uh, Bucky keeps dropping the knife and picking him back up like in midair. Dro- Whew. Well, yeah. Only Arya and Bucky, you know, can can <laughs> knife drop. Oh, gosh, I, I want to see them go at it. Arya yeah, versus know, right? Bucky. I, I don't know. I might have to put my money on Arya. She she's deadly. Knife drop. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, what do you say many, to death? The, right. Mini face Not God. <laughs> uh, so next on the list we have uh, Swordsman Two. Never heard of it. Never. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. And people are probably like, you son of a bitch. You've never heard it. No, I've never heard of it. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I wish we had more for you on this one. Uh, so yeah. we'll quickly move on to the next, uh, at the bottom of the list, uh, rounding it off is alien and aliens. No, and aliens. So, so I think he, he said specifically that alien is, it's an inarguable that alien is better than aliens, which I thought was, unless I misread his quote, uh, which is always a possibility, but uh, yeah, I think that's beyond preposterous. Aliens blows Alien out of the water. It's not even fucking close. Like it's, it's not even an argument. I don't understand why he's saying the opposite. It's stupid. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, just because there's an S on the end of one and there's no <laughs> S on the other, um, they're two completely different films. Alien, which came out in 1979, starring Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt, and John Hurt. Um, uh, uh, a few or seven years later, in 1986, Aliens, that's the one with the S at the end, came out. And this one starred, uh, again, featuring Sigourney Weaver, Michael uh, Bain, and uh, Carrie Hen. I, I, I got to agree with you. I got to agree with James Gunn on this one. Aliens was um, far superior to the original Alien film. Uh, I mean, everything about it, cinematography, the plot, like the 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 makeup of the aliens, like the storyline, it's everything about it. it well, I, I, I don't even know that this is much of a conversation. Yeah, this, this is the equivalent of like Captain America, uh, the yeah. first Avenger. And, you know, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that's how far of a gap is between these two films. Yeah. The, the only thing I could say is, is maybe I would say that the original Alien is maybe a little scarier. 
maybe than than number two. But look, when she gets in that the last scene of aliens and she's rolling around with that fucking exoskeleton and she's fucking up the alien. Oh my god, I've never cheered so hard in my life. I was like, yeah, get her. <laughs> um, for her, um, you know that that was that. I mean, going fucking hard. Yeah. Um, okay, so so this inspired us to actually make our own list, um, and I regret that I didn't get yours ahead of time. Otherwise, I would have prepared some graphics. But uh, do you want to say yours, and then I'll, I can say mine? Yeah, dude. Very, very difficult to put together this list of you know films that are not already featured uh, on his list, just because he includes so many of the ones that I wanted to include. Um, so. <sighs> And I, I don't know if, well, here's a question. Are we sticking with like just sequels to where it has to be the second movie? Or like, yeah. let's say a movie has like 12 films and then there there were breaks and gaps in between. Like, can yeah. we go with that too? Uh, I would say no, only because it, it, it seemed like he stuck with the natural sequel to. You know. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, so I think what wasn't on this list uh, that could have, been included as scream two we have to so i'm sorry we have to end the podcast uh we've got to end <laughs> this partnership that so, we have are you kidding me right now i think scream two is better than the original the first movie are was you, really good you, you know it was crazy? it was it was like less uh <laughs> it was just like crazy and wild right the first one really just took the storyline uh to, to the next level for me are you fucking, like, are you what? That's where you start, yeah. That's where you start to understand like, okay, there is like a, a, a coherent method to this like madness. Right. I think the acting if was it, a little if bit it better. Did, if it did I think anything, the storyline was better. The cast was better. If it did anything, it confused the fuck out of the story because then it introduced somebody else who apparently I think he was banging Sydney's mom, unless I'm mistaken about that or something like that. Uh, uh, some something like that that had happened like but she met the dude in college or some shit i don't know some weird ass it was just a weird story to try to like oh okay i guess we're just going to add that on as if you know that existed the entire time i mean this isn't just a uh, cash grab um the first one was a, is a tight story it was new it was fresh by the time the second one came out it was kind of just old news and just a rehash and not even a good rehash of the original story I don't know, big guy. I, I think right. yeah. <laughs> I think Scream Two is better than the original. I, I'm going to stick with that one. Yeah. So next on my list, I'm going to go with Underworld Two. Okay, I do not even remember either the original or the second one. They all kind of run together. Um, who was in Underworld? It was, uh, it was, it was uh, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Um, I forget the other guy's name, but he's a really good actor too. Played Lucian. It was vampires versus the lichens. The first film was really good. The second film uh, took it to the next level in terms of like the action. I think the story got a little bit deeper, started to tell a little bit more of the story behind the war between werewolves and vampires. Like we've kind of just all always accepted that like werewolves are on one side and vampires are on the other side. I think this was one of the first films in my memory that like really went deep into like how the, uh, how the war between the two started. I think the acting was better. The, uh, the digital effects were better. The, the, the writing was better. Uh, so I got to go with underworld two on this. Yeah. Um, last on my list is uh, I broke the rules here. Well, all right, I'm not going to break the rules. I was going to say John wick three, but uh, again, that's the third installment. So I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go with, and this was tough for me, but I'm going to go with uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. 
Well, that that isn't the actual sequel, but I still fuck with you though on that. I've always it's, been a huge like fan of Die Hard with a Vengeance. I thought it's the best one. I think I think I've, to me it's the best Die Hard outside of the original, but it's it doesn't work in this case for. Say that one more time. Die Hard with a Vengeance. That is the third one, right? That's the third one, not the um, not the second. Ah, yeah, so yeah. I broke the rules anyway. Yeah, I think the second one was poorly titled. I think Die Harder or something like that. I don't know, something stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I never liked the second one. I thought though, I've always thought the second one was stupid. So um, the first one was where they're in LA, um, and they're in the like that the tower, um, uh, right? What was it called? What's the tower called? Mishitobi. Uh, that sounds about right. No, Cause it was like the, his wife worked for that Japanese company. Yeah, It was a uh, fuck. I can't remember the name of the tower, but yes, you're right. Yeah. I can't remember it either. Uh, so the, and the second one took place in New York, right. Where they're robbing the gold from the bank. No, um, no, that's, that's the, um, that's the third one. Uh, the second one is when they're like, it's like the, uh, they're at an airport or something like that. Um, yeah. So that's the one I'm, that's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Right? No, no. Die Hard with a Vengeance is the one where they're robbing, where they're taking the gold from the, uh, with Samuel Jackson and they're taking the gold from like the, the, the reserves. Uh, and uh, you have like, I think it's Hans Gruber's brother or something like that. That was uh, sort of like yep. the, the villain. Um, that's the, that's the third one. And that's called Die Hard with a Vengeance. The first one is just Die Hard. You have number two, which is Die Hard, but Die Harder, I guess. Uh, and then the third one, which was Die Hard uh, with a Vengeance. I've always thought that was superior to, uh, to the, to at least number two. I don't know if it's better than the first one. I don't, I think that might be against my religion to actually say that I might have to. <laughs> I might have to consult. With I have my, my I have my titles mixed up here and my okay. movies. Uh, I yeah. pretty much have everything mixed up. <laughs> the one that I think is the best, yeah, is the one uh, in New York where they're robbing the bank. Yeah, Die Hard. You had it right. Die Hard with a Vengeance. You, yeah. yeah. So yes, it was technically the third movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that was the best, just because Samuel L. Jackson yeah, and uh, Bruce Willis. I mean, their chemistry throughout that film was just fucking spot on 100 100 uh i've always loved it uh, though i do love the one in the airport i don't i i've always thought that was, was stupid uh and just not even poorly made but just like it's just like why am i watching this when i could just watch, watch the first one or when, <laughs> when three came out it's like well why am i watching number two when i could just watch number three like i could just skip this it's not necessary. and the second one was was just die hard too though so um luckily they didn't do the the die harder they didn't i thought in or maybe that was only in like some territories that it was called die harder so the movie itself was called die hard too mm -hmm. uh that the tagline for the film was die was harder die harder ah okay that's the mix-up so yeah so they 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 are slightly not as stupid as i thought uh, yeah just a little bit dumber but not <laughs> quite as stupid yeah um, neither one is good <laughs> uh all right so we we are uh, are you were you done yours yeah yep that's my list all right cool i'm gonna blow through mine super quick um so whoops so let's get rid of this no that's not what we want to do. We want to take our, there we go. All right. So uh, my first one uh, is Before Sunset. Uh, it's the sequel to uh, the uh, Before Sunrise. Um, uh, I just think it's, it's. I, I don't even know where I, what I can say about it. It's for one, my favorite trilogy of all time. Um, and I think that 
before sunset is just a, a superior film to the to the first one and i and that's not even saying like the first one is bad the first, first one's great but uh but this one just kind of took it to a whole new level even though it's kind of just more of the same but they just were way better at what they did uh the um uh the next one i'll say is a a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge this movie scared the living shit out of me as a kid uh and uh it just has a special place in my heart that uh, that I always thought that number two was scarier for me than um, than number uh, than than the first movie that came out. Um, this might be a controversial one. I'm going to go out and jump on a limb and say that Back to the Future Two is superior than the original Back to the Future. Very controversial, but. I w- my my reasoning is is that Back to the Future Two actually encapsulated some of Back to the Future One, like literally, and but it, it adds so much more on it as far as like going into the actual future and seeing how everything how they set everything up, yada yada, and you know how everybody got the you know the I think the date passed back in like 2015 that the actual date that he traveled to in the future, um, which was pretty cool. Uh, everybody was wearing their, their, their Marty McFly's, uh, the, uh, the, the Nikes. Um, I don't know. I just, I just always loved that, uh, film, uh, way more than the, uh, the original. Um, yeah. I can agree with that. I think back yeah. to the future too, uh, to your point, I do like how they really like they actually incorporated elements of back to the future one, how those storylines kind of overlapped, um, so I can agree with that. I would say it's a superior movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the next one I'll say uh, is 10 Cloverfield Lane, which was the sequel to uh, the original uh, Cloverfield. Uh, and this isn't even to say that the original Cloverfield was even bad. It was actually really good because of it. Was, it, it was like this found footage that you weren't really sure. Like nobody really knew what the fuck the movie was about until you actually sat in a theater and you watched a movie and you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. And it was like, you're, you're, taking on that adventure. It was like a true movie experience. Um, but 10 Cloverfield Lane was just so good. John Goodman was so fucking good in that movie. Um, as well as, and I, and I'm forgetting his, uh, the, the people who co-starred with him, but they were, they were fantastic as well. Uh, but I, I, I think that was superior to the, uh, the, the original Cloverfield. Here's one that is controversial only because it wasn't on the fucking list on, uh, uh, James Gunn's list. Um, and it's like a crime because this has to be the, literally the best, not only the best sequel of all time, this might be one, the best movie of all time. Um, and I'm talking about nothing other than Terminated 2. Judgment. Oh shit. Yeah. Like what Terminated 2 wasn't on this list. Yeah. What, what the fuck are we doing? Although he did, I think he did, he did mention it below the, um, the the thing like his his original comment that like oh yeah of course t2 is like you know it but the fact that it was wasn't even on his original list was just it's, that's preposterous come on <laughs> the fuck are we doing <laughs> how the fuck are we going to create a list about the best sequels of all time and or the sequels that were better than the originals and would not include t2 uh maybe it was just like a one of those things that was just so obvious that you know you 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 don't uh, talk about it um, real quick. Let's talk about this review for black as fuck. And then let's do our, um, the thing about the theaters and let's get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah. Have you uh, seen uh, any of this uh, black as fuck? Uh, thing? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I watched the first three episodes, mm-hmm. um, 
but so I'll give you guys a, a quick uh, some some background into uh, who Kenya Barris is before we talk about the show itself. Uh, so Kenya Barris is the creator of the uh, show Blackish. It's also the creator of the show Mixedish, and um, there's another one right like Grownish. Yeah, there's Grownish. Yep. And for I believe this is for ABC. Uh, yes, ABC. Yep. So back in, I believe it was like 2018, uh, Kenya Bear signed a $100 million deal with Netflix to uh, create exclusive content, um, to uh, be like a creative consultant, executive producer um, on a number of projects, uh, on a number of projects, which included the recent release of Black as Fuck, which is, um, or, you know, uh, the title of it is like hashtag black AF, which is uh, recently debuted on Netflix. So this show uh, is Kenya Barris's first appearance as uh, like the lead actor in one of his own shows. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, a mockumentary, which focuses on um kind of like a peek inside what his personal life would look like. Again, this is not a documentary. It doesn't feature any of his own, his uh, own family members. Obviously Rashida Jones is in this show, plays his wife. She's not really his wife. Uh, so again, it just kind of, uh, it's like Larry David style of, of comedy. Um, yeah. If if you're familiar with Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, just a peek inside his own life, uh, diving into his own, his own ego, his own lack of security and really just making a joke of like this. Uh, uh, to me, it was kind of just poking fun at like the, what the work he's done on like blackish and things like that. So this show, just like blackish when it first launched was always going to receive a lot of criticism. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. Um, I've seen the first three episodes I think the show is really, really interesting. I think it's funny. I think the the comedy is it's 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 timely. It's spot on, and I know it's a word I've been using throughout this episode. But I do think it's uh, you know if you've watched the show, if you can get past the first fifteen minutes of the of episode one, because I think that is going to be the determining factor of whether or not you're going to like the style of comedy. Those first fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a great show. So recently, uh, a writer by the name of Brian Lowry, who's a CNN writer, came out. He did this article. Article's titled, Kenya Bears just goes from blackish to black as fuck with a messy Netflix debut. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this article really just kind of like low-key, very passive-aggressively trashes the show. Uh, you know, he goes on to call the things, you know, titled, un, unwieldy, self-indulgent, um, says it's awkwardly constructed, and um, it, it's like narcissistic and egotistic. Yeah. A very interesting, very interesting article. What are your thoughts? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of dissect it piece by piece, although I'll try to like breeze through it. Um, this is kind of a lesson in, or this, this calls to question of like, when you're a white, and, and look, as much, you know me, like in terms of not wanting to like, focus too much on race it's you know we have to you know in certain circumstances but i think that white people should be able to comment on black shows and vice versa right like otherwise it's going to be weird if you know people can't just watch like martin you know white people can't watch martin and comment on it or talk about it or whatever you know uh that's a weird scenario because then it's just like okay well you know how can it ever be really integrated into like main pop culture if you know, people can't just freely sort of talk about it. So I come from that standpoint. But reading this article was just like, 
it was cringy as far as like, bruh, like they shouldn't have had you on this beat. They should have chose somebody else to go with. Like, and not even somebody who's going to go light on it, but somebody who can watch it for what it's supposed to be. So for instance, I'll give you some quotes he had directly from the article. Um, He says, quote, it doesn't help that the kids are a nondescript bunch, basically your average smart uh, martaliki, which I don't even know what the fuck that is. I think it's smart alecky. Smart alecky. Okay, there you go. Um, Sitcom sextit, which, okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that means. (laughs) uh, But when, when you read that, it's like, it doesn't help that the kids are a nondescript bunch. And you're talking, and you're a white I, dude. I know exactly what he means by that. Like you agree with him? No, no, no. I don't agree at all. But I think uh, I, I know what he, what he, what his trouble with being able to like identify the kids is, right? So in the show, uh, so we know Rashida Jones is half white and half black, right? She's mm-hmm. the daughter of um, Quincy Jones, Kenya Bears black man uh so their kids likely will come you know as they have children likely will be like a variety of skin tones right Mm -hmm. it it wouldn't be uncommon to see like maybe like one kid's a little bit darker than the other and like that's how the kids are in the show there's one kid who you know the the feature actress in the show you know um uh kenya barris's daughter she's a lot darker than two of the other kids, which more so would favor rashida jones as like you know the light-skinned kids in the family right yeah I th- so I think that's what he's saying by like, oh, they're a nondescript bunch. Um, yeah, but but even like the the optics of it with the fact that oh, like, why are they all different skin tones? Yeah, but like, but that, I guess that's what I mean is is like it. <laughs> that's a that's a ballsy thing to say about some you know some black kids. You know, if you're a white dude, like that's a ballsy thing to go at. Is uh, describe them as a nondescript bunch. Like that's just yeah. Ooh, I had to stay away. I had to stay away from using those words. But anyways, um, crazy because like in the first like 15 minutes of the show, right? All the 15, 20 minutes of the show, all the characters essentially get introduced, right? Yeah. And it very like in their roles and their characters are very, are very clearly defined, yeah. or at least their roles in the family. So to say it's a nondescript bunch kind of makes no sense. Well, Again, I think for him, he's just having trouble uh, with like how they look like, Oh, all of these kids don't look the same. You know, this doesn't make no. any sense to me. Well, no. So he, he might actually have a problem with like their, the actual characters themselves, but let me get to that in one sec. So he also says, uh, there are scattered along the way, a few funny moments in one episode, Barris intensely dislikes a movie by an African-American director that everyone else is praising, uh, convening a, a de facto uh, council of black filmmakers via video conference, including Lena Waithe and uh, Issa Rae, only to, uh, to spend most of the time insulting their work and vice versa. So th- I don't think it's by accident that he he says that, right? Because that's something that he can identify with, meaning that, oh, yes, you're, you're talking about a black movie or a black show that you don't like and you're openly talking about that instead of just mindlessly praising it. Yes, that's something that I can identify with. You're right. I There are some black shows that I don't like. So, it, it, you know, what I sort of took away from the article is this inability to be like uh, this inability to sort of be detached from your own personality when it comes to like analyzing something from like a technical angle. Right. Which is always weird when it comes to that, which is why I fucking hate like when people do like either movie or show reviews and it's like, oh, go watch that review first before you actually see the thing. Cause it's like, no, it's based on whatever the fuck you like. So it's like, 
the reason why he doesn't like it is clearly because he just doesn't identify with it. Cause I thought it was fucking hilarious. I think it's a great show. Um, I don't think it's necessarily on the level as blackish, but also it's the first season compared to, you know, blackish is on his like seventh to sixth or seventh season or, or something like that. Um, so I don't, I don't think you can really compare the two. Um, but then he also said um, it's presented that way. The show is certainly a leap still watching black as fuck. Uh, it was hard not to think that if you could do pretty much anything, the first thing you wanted to make was this. And then he pushed hashtag uh, WTH, what the hell? Um, and so he's saying that about Kenya Burris, about like, you know, Netflix basically let allowed him to do whatever the fuck he wants. And this is what he does with it. And it's like, yeah, like this is what he does with it because this is, he's talking about his life. Like, you know, obviously it's a cartoonish version of his life, but, you know, he's talking about conversations and things that like he cares about. And for you to kind of be super dismissive of that is, it's, it's obvious where that's coming from. Yeah. Uh, again, like I think the first 15 to 20 minutes of the show, um, that's going to be a determining factor. I mean, most shows are this way, right? But that's going to be a huge determining factor of whether or not you're going to be able to really enjoy it. If within that first 15 minutes, you start to already feel sensitive about the content, um, which is a particular conversation between Kenya Barris's character and his assistant, which is like, you know, some white Jewish kid. Um, if you are able to like understand that conversation in it both being somewhat true, you know, and, and kind of a, an honest portrayal or honest uh, um, uh, dialogue between like someone who's uh, a successful black man trying to both be like a black man, as well as like someone who can enjoy their success and like the dynamics that come with that. Um, but also understanding the fact that it's humor, it's, it's a comedy, it's supposed to be funny. Uh, if you can get through that without feeling a way about it and just understand like, you know, you're watching a TV show on Netflix, which is supposed to be funny. Then you'll, then you'll really enjoy the rest of the show. It sounds like this particular person within that first, uh, this writer, uh, what is it? Brian Lowey. Yeah. Uh, I think within that first 15 minutes, I think he'd already made up his mind sure. as to like what this was about. Okay, and so. then he wrote this article based off of, um, and, and it sounds like throughout this, uh, it sounds like he watched the entire thing, but within that, those first 15 minutes or within that first episode, he made up his mind as to what it was going to be for him. Yeah. And, but I, I think, and, and, and again, like he's not necessarily wrong for his critique of the show, but I think it's, I think that's sort of the problem of uplifting, you know, and I don't know who the fuck goes to CNN and be like, let me go to CNN to see what I need to watch on TV or, you know, fucking anything. Um, but, uh, but I think that's the problem with uplifting certain places. Like right now it has a, I think a 53% uh, tomato reading on uh tomato meter, um, score on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but it's got a, like a 73% score with the audience. Um, it, what I would always continue to preach to anybody about any fucking thing, look, not even what the fuck we talk about here on this podcast. Like I might even say the words of like, oh fuck, don't see that or whatever. No, don't fucking listen to me. Don't listen to anybody else. If you read the synopsis about a movie or film or see a trailer and you want to check it out, just check it the fuck out. Don't worry about the fuck the reviews say. Don't don't worry about what anybody else is saying because it's peppered with their own biases about what they prefer, what they personally like. So be your own fucking person and <laughs> go decide for yourself if you actually like it or not. Uh, yeah. Black as fuck. Uh, uh, it has my it has my my endorsement. I think it's uh, at least for me, it was it was a good show. 
Yeah. And um, so, so, wait, so you have seen it? I've I seen the first episode. I haven't seen anything further than that. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm on like episode three or four. Um, this is definitely going to be like one of the shows that I, that I continue to watch. Like I, I enjoy the comedy. I enjoy like the satire and, and um, the sarcasm and uh, the, the, the family dynamic behind it all, as well as like how it, it, it kind of takes a bit from the office, right. Where, you know, sometimes there's like an interaction between the husband and the wife. And then like, you know, they like look directly at the camera um, and they're engaging with the camera crew as they're filming, which is just like, you know, whenever you're able to do that and do it effectively, like they did with the office, it's always going to be funny. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't seen it, definitely check out episode one. I think you're going to like it. If it's not for you, we're not going to judge you, but check out episode one. Yeah, most def. All right, uh, let's jump into our last thing here. Uh, we wanted to do uh, a very sort of in-depth uh, look at uh, movie theaters because they are clearly sitting on the brink. <laughs> I think that goes without fucking, you know, without saying that uh, that that they're clearly in um, dire straits uh, <laughs> at the moment. Um, so we wanted to take some time to actually take a look at uh, uh exactly how they got there uh and what the future might actually hold um so uh without further ado um where i want to kind of start is theaters all together and i'm going to try to like i'm going to try to kind of blow through this uh a little bit um uh so how movie theaters sort of sort of how we got here with theaters is that uh way back in the the 1890s um uh, there was something called the the, the phanoscope uh, that led to what was called the the vitascope, which was uh, you know uh, Thomas Edison. That was uh, essentially like I guess his his creation, because I think the phonoscope was our phanoscope was sold to Thomas Edison and he made modifications, yada, yada, boring stuff. Uh, but then, um, that led to the Vitascope hall, uh, which, uh, hall as well as the Vitascope theater. Now that's kind of laying the groundwork for theaters as we know them today in the 1900s or not that in the 1900s or whatever you call them. Um, the first permanent motion picture theater in the state of California was Tally's Electric um, Theater in uh, 1902 uh, in an L.A. OK, we move from there to 1905, where we have um, uh, the opening of uh, the, the uh, storefront um, or in a storefront. Uh, and, and this is essentially like what uh, the Nickelodeon theaters are, which were the the first sort of common type of theater, uh, which were these uh, Nickelodeon theaters. And then that jumps to 19, uh, the 1910s, which uh, <laughs> because of the, the success of Birth of a Nation, um, which kind of established uh, the, the role of feature films, um, theaters became a lot more popular, and that was around 1915. Even though *Birth of a Nation* is a racist piece of shit of a movie, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we jumped to the 1920s and beyond, where basically um, independent promoters and movie studios, uh, essentially, and this is going to be actually pretty key because we're going to talk about this a little later. Um, but uh, independent promoters and um, movie studios uh, race to build the like, you know, uh, sort of like the most extravagant or lavish uh, uh, theaters that they could uh, in order to get people to come and, and you know, put their asses in the, in, in the seats. Um, so this led to movie palaces and then the movie palaces led to uh, um, uh, sort of the the theaters as we know them today, because that led to. 
um, multiplexes, which then led to megaplexes, uh, which, you know, a lot of the places we see right now are multiplexes. Um, but in, in this, in that span of time between the 1920s and now, what happened is that, uh, and I'll just read verbatim here, uh, several movie studios achieve vertical integration by acquiring and construct, uh, constructing theater chains, meaning that basically they just owned the entire process of making the film from the development to the actual, you know, when people are actually sitting down to watch a movie, they owned every single aspect of it. But what that did was that basically made it a super fucking clusterfuck of a monopoly of they just owned every fucking aspect of it so they could make the movie for as much as they want they could charge for as much as they want and nobody could really j say jack shit about it because what else are you going to do um so that led to the uh the, 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 that was sort of like um uh popularized by what's called the big five uh so that's uh, paramount warner um, Lowe's, which uh, I think owned uh, MGM, uh, as well as Fox, and then what you know, what's it's now defunct, but uh, back then uh, RKO. Um, uh, so they were all broken up because the Supreme Court essentially ruled in 1948 uh, in, a, in a kind of a dispute with um, Paramount um, that uh, that they can't, you know, own every single part of it. Uh, and so that uh, that was essentially like an antitrust case. So I say all that to fucking say that's how we sort of got the, you know, the theater chains as we, we know them today. Um, uh, so. And, and I do want to throw one thing out there um, when, you, when we look at like the history of movie theaters and where we are today, right? Because um, like there's a bit of time that we skipped over and, and for any listeners who, um, you know, know about this particular point in time, I do want to acknowledge it, right? So like, uh, first of all, huge shout out to Canada. Canada has really, really led the way in, in the development of like the motion picture uh, industry and like the theater experience as like we now have it today. So they were like one of the first countries in the world to like um, have uh, dedicated motion picture viewing theaters. Uh, I think Canada was the first country in the world to have like a, uh, a theater with multiple screens to where there, there are two films showing at any uh, uh, particular time. And I also think Canada was one of the first countries in the world to like launch um, the more like luxury style uh, cinemas and, and movie theaters that, um, that are like have become increasingly popular since 2010. So huge shout out there. Um, also drive-in movie theaters. Um, I think that was a really uh, crucial point in, um, in, in both the accessibility and like, the pleasure of going to see a movie, right? That really changed the nature of how people could and why people would go to the movie theaters. So I think that was a huge point in time for movie theaters, uh, which ultimately led us to where we are today. Driving movie theaters is still a thing. Um, I think there are what, like four, I think there were like 400 still remaining in the United States today. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna have to double check that, but it, it's, it is still, it was a prominent part in uh, the theater or the movie theater experience, uh, especially in American history. So I, I didn't want to skip over that. I wanted to acknowledge that, but uh, we really want to talk about uh, the nature of films today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to, to just add just a smidge bit uh, more to that. Uh, so 
it's just like, you know, theaters are just like anything else that can be reproduced, right? Like where you start off with one and then it's great. And then that turns to two and then that's great. And then you're like, okay, well, like, let's start a chain of these. And then that's how we get the chains as we have them today. They, they were no different than, you know, what they call, I think they, the, the McDonald, uh, McDonaldization of business, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, you just create a formula that works and then you rinse and repeat for everything else. Uh, and so that's what theaters have have done, especially some of the big chain theaters. Now, that's what gets us to where we're at today. Obviously, the coronavirus, fucking chaos as far as markets go for literally everything. Uh, you know, no matter what industry you're in, you're definitely affected by this one way or another. Um, nobody's, you know, uh, you know, nobody's immune to it. Um, everybody has to deal with, you know, the coronavirus, uh, this COVID-19 in one shape or another. So obviously that's going to affect uh, the theater industry um, pretty significantly because not only do people have to come into tight spaces, not, well, I guess relatively tight spaces and sit down next to other people for long stretches of time while everybody coughs and sneezes and, you know, uh, the, the, the seats are, I'm sure aren't too sanitized and things like that, but also the actual creation of the actual movies, right? If you don't have movies to actually show, then, you know, you don't have a product to actually show people. Um, so that's what forced the, the theaters. And we're going to talk specifically about the big theater change, uh, to essentially shut down business. Now, um, the big dog in the game, let's just, you know, take it off top, uh, is AMC, right? AMC is the, the, the big dog in the yard right now, as far as being, you know, the biggest uh, theater chain right now, it has 659 sites, right? So, Let's let's dissect where they're currently at and see if they're going to be viable to, to continue moving forward. So just in March, their stock declined 50 percent. That was just in March. Um, so there some news broke out like maybe a week or two ago that they were likely to file for bankruptcy, which is understandable because they currently right now have four point seven five billion dollars worth of debt now. You might say, okay, well, what are their, you know, what do they, what do they have, right? As, as far as like any sort of like revenue or cash or whatever the case is, right? They have two hundred sixty-five million dollars in cash and equivalents on hand, plus three hundred twenty, uh, three hundred thirty-two million dollars available via lines of credit as of December thirty-first, twenty nineteen. So that's as of December thirty-first, twenty nineteen. That was before coronavirus. That was yeah. before COVID nineteen actually like hit and shut everything down. Um, so when when you, when you hear that money, it sounds like a lot, right? But when you're looking at a company the size of AMC that has operations in um, almost every every state in the United States, multiple locations, a huge uh, uh, huge overhead in terms of staffing, that money is going to burn quickly. Well, not only is it going to burn quickly, but it's they're four point seven five billion dollars in debt. That's if if you're unfamiliar with how much a billion dollars is, uh, maybe you should familiarize yourself because <laughs> that 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 money that they have on hand um, and that they have maybe via vi- lines of credit and shit, 
They ain't going to get the job done. Um, so uh, AMC, <laughs> and you can tell they're definitely in trouble because they informed their landlords. And we were talking about it a little bit before we came on when we spent the five hours trying to get the audio to work. We were talking about, uh, I remember mentioning that the landlords for AM, or the AMC told their landlords that, yeah, ooh, that rent payment. Oh, yeah, it's going to be super late. <laughs> uh, don't, don't even look for it because it yeah, won't be coming. Yeah, don't look for uh, Venmo. Don't look for a check in the mail. Don't look for a guy. Goddamn thing, it ain't coming. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I want to throw in there. So at the moment, financial analysts are projecting that AMC has like between um, the cash that they have on hand, between the, the line of credit that they have, they have enough uh, cash and credit to stay uh, liquid until about June or July of this year. That's like yeah. right, literally right around the corner. Yeah. So that's right around the corner. But uh, so uh, some other news came out just uh, just like a day or two ago that uh, they're actually getting five hundred million dollars in new debt to stay afloat, uh, not just through June or July, but through November. Um, hopefully that they can, you know, kind of weather the storm until then and they can see sort of where things things stand. So. Uh, so AMC is sitting in a very. uh very terrible spot uh, because they're highly over leveraged and they aren't going to have an income for the foreseeable future. Uh, and we're expecting, okay, maybe by June, July, things will open back up. Okay. We'll get some movies back in there. Um, but there are just so many different factors that are preventing that from being the case. For one, we don't know by June or July, if everything is going to be back to normal. Right. In fact, I could almost yeah. tell you for a certainty that it definitely won't be right. Like people are like schools are planning. Okay. Like how are you going to conduct a school year? The school year doesn't start until late August, early September. Right. Schools know that this shit is not going to be <laughs> over by then. Um, so, uh, not only that, but they need the products actually put in theaters. And if you're a studio, you're super fucking hesitant to say that, okay, we're going to release our movies come, you know, the beginning of July or come, um, August or whatever. You're super hesitant about that because you don't know, like, you don't know if people are actually going to get out and come out specifically to the theaters. Like it's different if you say people are going to go out to like the beaches and shit, that's completely different than saying, uh, uh, sit in this theater where you're breathing the same air as everybody else. And you just, you're touching that fucking seat that everybody else has coughed and sneezed on and shit. Uh, and we don't know if the coronavirus is gone yet and we don't have a vaccine yet. So good luck. Like, no, I, I mean, I like, I like, uh, black widow. I don't like black widow that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, you know, one of the reports I read says that, like, uh, and we'll we'll dive a little bit more into this when we start talking about some of the other chains, um, is that some movie theaters like Cinemark are projecting an opening in July. To your point, we don't know that yet. Like, projections don't really mean shit at this point. Uh, it really is going to focus. What's going to determine when the country reopens and when businesses like movie theater reopens is, is um, you know, how this virus acts. Like, if the weather other warms up and we see people start to spend more time outdoors and people keep coming into contact with each other and infection rates continue to rise. Theaters are not going to open. If we're uh, on the downside of the bell curve there, yep. we may see theaters open in like mid to uh, mid June, yep. uh, early July, but we don't know. Yeah, we don't. And, and so like, let's get to our predictions when we, uh, when we wrap this thing up, but uh, let's, let's blow through this really quick. Uh, so Regal cinema, uh, which is the, the next in line, uh, 
as far as like size, uh, they have about 558 sites. Uh, They actually are owned by what's called Sinworld, which, you know, the one thing that they have to do when they get back into like when everything turns back to normal is change all these fucking names. You got Sinworld, you got Sinmark, you got Sin this and that. Just come on, just anybody be creative. But uh, let's rebrand. okay? like when we come out of this thing, I hope some of these theaters say, hey, maybe is now or some of these like the companies that own these major movie theaters think that like now's the time we not only rebrand, but also maybe rethink the dynamic of like how the theaters are set up. Yeah, I don't want to be sitting next to anybody. Well, they have to, they have to, they have to absolutely think that. Uh, But Cineworld just uh, now they're sitting in a very precarious position because they just uh, reached an agreement uh, back, I think in December with Cineplex, which is a Canadian um, theater chain. Um, And so that doesn't bold well because obviously, you know, everybody's fucked right now. So, um, so they don't even know if that acquisition is going to go through. Um, and if it does, then they're even doubly fucked because now they have whatever the debt was of, uh, the, the Simplex, um, which, uh, which might, you know, not make that deal happen. Um, but just to give you an idea, uh, so sin world, which again owns, uh, regal, uh, cinema, um, it's, it's stock fell about 76% in the first half of March, 76%. Fuck. Uh, and they're $3.6 billion in debt. Yikes. Um, so yeah, they don't, they don't seem like they're sitting in a good spot. Uh, Sin, uh, Sinmark theaters, which is again, the, the third biggest chain, uh, here in the U S uh, has about 525 sites and their stock price fell by 68% in the first half of, uh, March. Uh, and they're about $3.4 billion in debt. Um, they're also raising another 250 million through uh, an under, underwritten loan, uh, debt offering. Um, yeah. Uh, Cinemark seems to be like the only chain that is operating with a bit of uh, optimism, right? Um, like again, AMC is facing bankruptcy. Cinemark, they're hoping to have theaters or some locations open by July 1st uh, by implementing some like social distancing practices in their theaters. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan's Tenet is slated for release, uh, I believe like the uh, July 17th. Yeah, that shit ain't so, you don't think so? No, fuck no. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what they're hoping is that they're able to have theaters open um, during that time for the release of some uh, some of these like larger films that are set to release uh, in summer and towards the back end of the year. I just don't know if that happens, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, okay. So uh, there, there are a couple other theaters I want to talk about, but let's let's skip those. Uh, there's Marcus Theaters and then Landmark Theaters, but I think those are small enough. Um, that they can be you know, everybody gets the picture by now. Right. Um so let's talk about reopening, right? Uh, we talked about them reopening. So we, they got some news this past week. Donald Trump announced Thursday, this I think it was this past Thursday, that cinemas, um, uh, that cinemas might slowly be able to reopen in the coming months. Now it's Donald Trump, so you take that for whatever the fuck it's worth. Um, but uh, should uh, cinemas successfully reopen? Um, uh, or at least in parts of the, uh, they're, they're expecting maybe only parts of the country that they'll actually reopen some parts that are, aren't so hit by the COVID, uh, uh, virus. Um, and they're expecting that by July. Uh, and so what they're hoping to do is to, to like play movies that aren't as affected by like international markets. Right. So like, uh, comedies tend to do well and they tend to be low budget uh, or at least lower budget than some of the other films. Um, so yeah, if, if you want to hop up, I, I can keep going. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so yeah, you, you, you've got, um, 
they're going to open uh, with these comedies because they they sort of are uh, better to bank on than than you know and other these other you know high ticket movies that you don't know if they're going to succeed or not um, and uh, a lot less less riskier obviously um, uh, and so but that what that does is uh, it, it makes it questionable on if people are actually going to come back out to the theaters, right? Because are you going to risk everything to go see fucking like girls trip Two? which, you know, I, I don't think it's going to come out this, this, this particular year, obviously, but, uh, but it's like, I, I wouldn't risk my fucking health uh, to go see a fucking comedy. It's like, I'll just catch it on VOD. It's fine. You know, at least, or at least that that's me. Um, but I, I don't know if the, the, the world, much less the, the U S is, is, is ready for that. Uh, and then the Trump uh, administration, basically, even before uh, this whole thing took place, uh, it, there were rumblings that they could try to reverse that Paramount uh, uh, case that um, that we mentioned, uh, you know, earlier, uh, you know, in the conversation um, that they could essentially lift a decree that um, that you know that 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 studios couldn't own the the, the theaters um, in order to be able to kind of save the theaters, right? Uh, so that's that might happen um, if they decide that you know uh, you know that this is this is pretty much too far gone to to, to save. So that presents two specific c- scenarios. That presents the scenario of either a, uh, if everybody will remember the um, the uh, in two thousand eight two thousand nine uh, when the the auto industry was bailed out, right? That one yep. of one of the things is is I think that uh, that the federal government then t- kind of took ownership, uh, at least a certain percentage ownership in the companies. Um, there's rumblings that that could possibly happen, right? Uh, that they could bail out the theaters and then take ownership in some, you know, maybe some sort of stake in, in the theaters themselves. Um, but I don't see the government doing that. I just don't, I think, I think the theater industry is just too kind of fickle to, you know, and, and it's kind of dying and it, and it's, it's, it's the auto industry. You can kind of see that because it's, that's a necessity, right? Like you need yeah. to drive a fucking car, right. And you need cars to sell, um, or at least maybe, you know, maybe some climate people would firmly disagree with that. But <laughs> and I mean, there's so many other industries that rely on that. Um, but to your point, like the the movie theater industry, is that like a, coming out of the this this pandemic? Is that a huge priority for the government? Uh, and would 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 you know, a large enough portion of the population even be okay with like the government doing a movie theater uh, bailout when there are clearly going to be a lot of other ways to spend that money. Um, I I don't think, I I don't think, you know, a significant amount of uh, US population is going to be for that. Let's spend billions of dollars to bail out movie theaters coming out of this. We're going to want to see that money go to hospitals and uh, rethinking um, like healthcare, right? So I don't see it happening. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see that happening either. But then the the other scenario is is that they do lift this decree that uh, they can they can um, that the basically that studios can essentially own the theaters and have that full sort of you know uh, uh, vertical you know uh, dynamic where they own 
you know, the distribution of the movie. Um, but then they all also own where they actually get distributed at. Right. Um, yeah. which, so in that scenario, okay, well then Disney and fucking Comcast is going to own literally everything and there's not going to be any in between. Right. Because they're damn sure not going to show movies from competitors at their theaters. And they're, they're the only d- game in town that ideally could buy up, you know, some of these theaters and be able to sort of carry that. Um, so then th- that's looking, that's looking extremely unappetizing, you know, and I think that would be a dark fucking time for movies period. If, if that were to, uh, take place. Um, but you know, let's, let's go ahead and wrap this up by giving just our predictions or, or, or what we think is important. Um, saying all that, uh, I would say that it comes down to two things. It comes down to the big ticket movies, uh, the, the tentpole films, and then it comes to, down to people willing to go out. It comes down to the big ticket movies because I guarantee fucking to you, and I already see some of these, some of the uh, studios sort of like playing it a little fast and loose with some of the not so big movies, but big enough where it's like, hmm, this is, this is crazy. You know, like we had, I think it was a Paddington 2 that came out on um, VOD or uh, it wasn't Paddington 2. It might have been Paddington 2. Trolls. Well, I think that was the first big anticipated film to just go with a strictly VOD release. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so as we sort of go on, and it, I'm guaranteed this is exactly how the fuck it's going to play out. You you know, hear me now, quote me later. Um, as we approach June and July, if we're still talking about this being a thing, like not necessarily going away, that we're everybody still quarantining, somebody's going to flinch. One of the studios is going to flinch and somebody's going to release a big fucking ticket movie early we, we might not it might not be as big of a ticket movie like so for instance i can imagine like new mutants uh from uh what was you know then fox but now is uh is, is disney of course um i can see that being released uh because they have I, to my knowledge they haven't actually set a date for when that is supposed to release so i think that they're holding the smaller movies like that the bigger bigger you know top ticket movies they they are giving us clear definitions about right like so we know black widow's coming out in november we know bond is coming out in november um so movies like that fast and furious we know is coming out 2021 like we we know that shit but some of the movies that are like the in-betweens that's the ones that they're going to try to like yes have they announced a release date for wonder woman 2 or what because i think it was just delayed yeah, I don't think they have. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Let me. Uh, while you. Uh, so, yeah, and, you, and I'll give my predictions here. But I think Wonder Woman two because they have it. Like for example, they've they've uh, uh, pulled Black Widow and they've given it like a they've pushed it back and given it a new release date. Uh, as far as I understand, Wonder Woman two they've just announced that they're not going to be releasing it in theaters. Of course, why? Because movie theaters are closed. I think that could be a really important film that might be dictate where this thing lands, right? If, um, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, it's, uh, it's in the DC universe. Who owns DC? Is it like, I don't know who owns DC. I think DC, uh, at least to my knowledge, I thought it was like just DC. Not independently owned. Uh, okay. So let's say DC decides to say, hey, we're going to go with a, a streaming release for Wonder Woman. We're going to do it in May. Uh, May. We're going to do it in June. I think we're going to see a lot of the other uh, companies start to fall in line and just start to like uh, maybe put bump up their release dates um, to maybe not November or December, but you might see movies start to hit in August and September. Um, so I'm going to be watching for Wonder Woman. I think that might be a, a huge indicator, but I think the super megaplex theaters as we know them today like you know these amc movie theaters that maybe have like 12 16 18 different theater rooms that are showing these films yeah those are definitely gone 
I think that's dead. Um, you know, I think what a lot of these theaters are going to do is maybe keep these like facilities that have 12, uh, that have these like multiple screening rooms, but eliminate half of the seating in every room, right? Or in every at theater, least, um, least, yeah. go with a more luxury style seating, right? More larger, bigger, more comfortable seats where you can be served food and drinks um, that may allow them to recoup what they're going to lose in seating, but maybe start to charge a little bit more. Like, you know, again, if you're able to buy food and alcohol and have a more, uh, they're probably going to brand it as like a more um, uh, lucrative luxury uh, film film experience right uh but I, I really can't see this industry getting bailed out like we talked about what i do think will survive are like the smaller mom and pop local theaters that may have like two or three different theater rooms uh that show very particular niche uh, uh movies maybe like classic movies um again just smaller theatrical releases i do think they'll survive and if you want to uh, go in on one um Let's do that because I think they're going to be dirt cheap, uh, but I think they'll survive. Yep. Um, I think my prediction is, look, e- either either the theaters go to the studios. So either the Trump administration allows for the theaters to uh, to allow them to be owned by, you know, the movie studios that produce the movies. Um, but because I, I could just see them doing something crazy like that. Or. Now, now the theaters have to start thinking of VOD game, uh, the the v, uh, VOD game. Like uh, you got to start thinking video on demand, um, and that's an awful thing to say because of the amount of people that actually work for the theaters and you know uh, are, are employed by them. But I just don't see how, like. I don't see it, dude. Like these, these numbers are crazy. We just, I just told you all the debt that <laughs> all of these theaters are in. I think it's a collective like 15, 20 billion dollars that they're in debt with no income. Um, and they were doing pretty shitty beforehand as well. Um, so unless somebody comes in and, you know, swoops in and, and kind of saves the day, which in case they do want to stake in, in you know, you know, in, in, in the actual theaters, um, I just don't. I don't see it, dude. Like, and, and, and all this, this is to say, we, we don't know when the fuck we're going to, you know, we're going to all go, be able to go back if we even want to go back to the theaters, you know? Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a grim time ahead for the theaters. And I, um, I, I feel, I feel terribly about it. Um, because I, I do, I love going to the theaters. I love, you know, the, the smell of it, the, the feel of it, the excitement of it, of watching the trailers, you know, sitting in the seat, getting comfy, uh, you know, uh, you know, thinking about, oh man, what, what's going to, you know, what, what is this thing going to be? It's, it's a truly special experience. Uh, and, and being somebody who, you know, uh, have a film podcast, um, as well as, you know, I try to, you know, dabble in, you know, writing films and shit like that and, and make it on my own. Um, yeah, it's a sad fucking time, but, uh, but at the same time, you, you have to be somewhat, you know, realistic with what the fuck's actually going on and, and what the next step is. What, what, did the, what is the path forward? Um, but with all that fucking being said, um, I think we have done our, our service for the day. Uh, I think we, uh, have given the, 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 the people, uh, some good time, some good content, 
but now it is time to get the fuck out of here. I know you got some shit to do. I've got some shit to catch up on, like sleep. Yeah. Uh, uh, for anybody who did listen to today's podcast, um, I think this is an ongoing conversation, uh, particularly about like the, the the future of the the film industry and movie theaters. Um, so if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, reach out to us on social media, uh, on on uh, Instagram or Twitter at the Fade Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Like maybe there's a angle that we didn't touch base on yet. Maybe there's like a, um, some news that we're just not privy to you at the moment if you have anything uh again any any comments or ideas uh reach out to us on social media we'd love to continue the conversation sounds great uh with that being said said ladies and gentlemen um uh we appreciate you listening especially if you listen through uh through and through uh but of course hit that like button hit that subscribe button hit that share button share this shit with everybody and everybody who you think can uh can benefit from it which is of course everybody um with that being said i think we will be back next sunday i think we're doing our new show or next yes show. sir um till then i think we will uh of course hit the usual protocol fade out peace the fuck out Wash your goddamn hands. <laughs>